Well, we want to take a, a role and kind of finish this series that we have been talking about uh, for this month of December. We talked about this special delivery, uh, this wonderful gift that God has sent to us and that we uh, get a chance to surround ourselves with so much in this holiday season. The countdown, as you heard a little bit earlier today, just seven days away uh, that we together will be with our families on Christmas morning being able to celebrate. You know, and I've asked people along this journey uh, that uh, how many of you are all done with your Christmas shopping? Let me see any hands today that say, Wow, a little more than I thought that might be ready uh, for, for getting all that done. I know that they're probably saying, Pastor, I am all done, but there's just that one gift that I have to get, right? I mean, I know that there's probably a good selection of those that are waiting that you know you have to get one more to that. How many haven't started yet? Are there anybody in the house that hasn't even started? Oh, my wife said she hasn't even started yet. Uh-oh, it might be slim pickings at the Grove House this Christmas. So, um, Well, I hope that you are making your way. I know that this is going to be the mad rush this week uh, to be able to take care of this. I think Debbie and I, when we think about this idea, knowing that we're just seven days away, we are certainly uh, at an interesting part in our life in uh, regard to Christmas and certainly in gift giving. Uh, our kids are older. It's a, it's a pretty tranquil morning on Christmas morning at our house. Uh, and maybe the best gift or the only gift that my kids want for Christmas is cash. How many know what that's all about, right? Um, in fact, I, I know that they tend to take back everything I get them for Christmas anyway. Um, I am the least trendy Grove in the Grove household, so a lot of times when they open, you know, I, I sweat over these jackets or sweaters or pants or whatever thinking that I'm going to give my kids, and they open it up and they smile, but they just kind of do a, a little head shake, you know, and they're like, oh, dad, dad, you know. So I think this idea of, of us limiting this idea of gift giving for Debbie and I, um, you know, helps in the in the family structure that we have. But I also realize today that that we are blessed, really, to not have a need. Um, that that God has been good to us, and and I know that that it's it's so much more for us to understand this wonderful season rather than getting caught up too much in this idea of running ourselves frantic to try to, to get gifts for everybody. When we look at the life that God has blessed us with, that Debbie and I can say to each other, you know, we're blessed. Um, and, and also we're kind of at that age where uh, there's not many things that we want or that we really wait for Christmas. Um, I don't know how many guys are out there, but when there's finally something you settle on, you don't have to wait for Christmas, right? We just go get it, right? So it's not that kind of a, a amazing part of the morning when you're at this part of life with us, but over the last couple of years, um, Debbie and I have tried to keep this pack with one another that on Christmas Day, and because we have been blessed, and because there's not so much wants or needs that we have, that we just kind of tell each other, listen, just one gift this year. Don't go crazy. Let's just get one and I think probably for the last five years, we've broken that pact every year. You know, we just kind of, there's a big pile of gifts in front of both of us. And we're like, hey, I thought we, so we're really working hard this year. And obviously my wife more than me, uh, that she hasn't even started yet. So I think, I think this could be the year uh, where that happens. Um, but we've been talking about this idea of a special delivery of gifts at Christmas. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the gift, this special delivery, was revealed to us. The Christmas story was really a story of misdirection. That as we begin to unpack it together, we understand that who would have ever written the story for Jesus to come to us in the way that he did? 
It, it's, it's somewhat of a, a flowing childlike story, but when we really uh, dig down into the pieces that we would ask ourselves the question, is this really the way that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords would come to the earth to be our Savior? Who would have ever written the script? And regardless of even how he came, what we began to understand is why he came. And man, it was so good to hear some of those kids. Um, they didn't know all of the answers to some of those questions, but I'm glad they knew the answer to why he came. And that was that he came to save us from our sins, that, that we realized that God knew that we needed rescued, and so God sent to us this wonderful gift. The how he came is still a little bit of a head-scratcher, but I'm so glad today that we have a message of why he came that is solid in our soul today. And then last week, as part of our special delivery, we talked about how the gift was reviled, that Jesus was the gift that nobody wanted that we recognize that, that it was Pilate, the Bible says, that delivered him, uh, Jesus, to be crucified. I think the challenge of our soul today is that there are a lot of us, as we've talked about last week, that love baby Jesus and love the story. But we have a Jesus in that part that, that we can control, that, that we can place. But, but we realize that Jesus grew up. And the message of grown-up Jesus is a little bit harder for us to, to really take in. But that's really the reason why he came. That, that it's not that he follow our storyline, but he came so that we could follow in his storyline. His plan of redemption. One day, man, I can't believe the saving of our sins, but this promise of a heavenly home. That one day, man, I can, as, as Caitlin was reading, can't you just imagine one day that we are going to be around the throne of heaven with those angels and those four and twenty. Man, it's awesome here on a Sunday morning with our worship team, yeah? But can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? That, that when we share that roar of his name and the victory that God has for us, no longer will his name be reviled. No longer will he be the gift that nobody wants, but he will be celebrated truly as our our Savior and Lord. Amen? What a, what a great day that that is going to be. But I think the true miracle of Christmas that we recognize today, that everything that Jesus was willing to go through for us so that you and I truly could receive the greatest gift that has ever been offered to humanity, that again, that he has come to forgive our sins and to provide that home in heaven for us for all eternity, something so wonderful to look forward to. But I want to close today but giving us the third part of this special delivery that we have been talking about this month. I think that there is so much, I believe, that God wants for us, no doubt. But I think scripture is very clear that if there is one gift that God would want to bless us with, of all of the gifts that God has made available to his children, to those of us, but I think if there is one above them all that the Bible tells us that God would want to bless us with today, it would be the gift of his Holy Spirit. To know that this promise is not just part of a story that was given to us thousands of years ago, but that truly that there is a gift that has been released to the church, that has been released to all of us, that God would not uh, be content in staying in heaven and being far from us, but that God would give to us the gift of his Holy Spirit that would abide with us, that would uh, be with us every day of the week. And so today, I want to release to you this morning this wonderful gift that I 
I believe that God wants to offer to every one of us today to see the gift of God released in you, that wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Can you say yes with me this morning of his presence and his promise for us this morning? The Bible tells it this way in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. It was on one occasion while Jesus was eating with his disciples. This is after the resurrection and demand. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Wait for this special delivery that I have for you that my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about before. For John has baptized with water, but in a few days, come on church, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody say amen today. Man, what a special delivery it was for the church, what it is for you and I still today in the church, that God has the gift of his power, God has the gift of his presence, it is the gift of the Holy Spirit that he desires to offer to every one of us today. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, that when the day of Pentecost came, that the disciples and all those who were followers of Jesus, they gathered together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were seated. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Picture that separated. I want you to just begin to picture that in your mind. I, I don't know if I could fully picture it or recognize it for you, but I think that as we read Scripture, our, our minds go to this part where this wind of heaven and this fire of, of heaven begins to fall and separate. And it falls on them. And all of them were filled with this gift of the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, as the power of heaven filled them, that this praise now no longer was contained to their earthly language, but God was giving them a heavenly language to know that the God of heaven was now pouring in and through their life. Aren't you glad for the gift of heaven today that God is making available to his church? Listen, I know growing up in a Pentecostal church and being a part of Pentecostal ministry my whole life and, and this embodiment of the coming of the Holy Spirit and this utterance of speaking in tongues, I know that over the years there's been a lot of people that have had some issues or challenges with this special delivery. But I'm here to tell you I'm not making it up when we talk about this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? How many know that we read it right from the Bible this morning? Come on, say amen today. The delivery of the Holy Spirit fell on these New Testament believers, and it caused them to worship. It caused them to praise. It caused them to pray, and God gave them this new heavenly language that they weren't contained with their own mindset, but in the sense of God's unctioning out of their spirit, they just began to call on this God of heaven, and their praise was unending, and the power of God filled them to do great and mighty things in their world. And today, I recognize that there are some that just outright deny that experience. In fact, some have even called it demonic to realize that this power of God to the church and how it was used. And I know that there is a, a lot of those that do accept this experience that happened to the early church that we read about in Acts chapter 2 and chapter 8 and chapter 10 and chapter 14, more than just at the beginning. But this power of the gift that God was giving to the New Testament church was just radically transformed 
transforming and changing them. But a lot of them ended at that point. They, they realized that, yes, God did give them fire from heaven. God did give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it was only for that, that they, they needed a boost to get the early church started. And so once that age had ended, that so did that work and that power of the Holy Spirit cease as well. In fact, kind of in church terms or theological terms, we call people that believe that cessationist, that, that it ceased and that they do recognize that this special delivery of the Holy Spirit came for the church, but then certainly after it ended. But then there are those of us, and I hope those here at Real Life, believe that if God had a special delivery for the believers, not only to change them at that time or change the world around them and to empower them, then God still has that same delivery. God still says that same Holy Spirit. God has that same desire for his church today, that I am not a cessationist. I don't believe it's over. I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen. That God has a delivery by his Holy Spirit that we can recognize of this wonderful Christmas story that God not only was a God who came, but God has left us the Holy Spirit, a God who empowers, a God who walks beside us, a God who is with us, a God who will never leave us. Come on, say with me, amen, amen, amen. Wow, what a wonderful gift that God has made available still to the church today. Fortunately, as I said, there are many gifts that God wants to bless his children with. But if there's one thing, if you haven't finished your Christmas wish list yet, if there's one more thing that I would ask you before we close out this service, before we close out this year, that you would put in your heart, that you would put in your prayer, that your Christmas would include to pursue the presence and the power of Christ, which is the coming of the Holy Spirit into your life. That you would pray even as those did in Acts chapter 2. God, if there is your presence, if there is your power, if you remember, again, just a chapter earlier, he said to his disciples, listen, I don't want you to leave without the gift that my Father has promised to you. And if you are a follower of Jesus today, listen, I want you to go to the Word today. I want you to hear my voice today. I don't want you to leave this service. I don't want you to leave this year without knowing that God has power, that God has presence. God has a gift above your salvation. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit that he wants to fill you with to overflowing today. And a lot of people say, well, pastor, why, why pursue this gift? Why add this to my list? What is it that the Holy Spirit has been given to the church or given to the believer for? What is, the, what is it available to do in my life? Wow, I am so glad you asked that question because I, I filled a couple of pages to help you to understand that this morning. Let me give you a couple this morning. First of all, I believe it is the gift of power. Why do we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why do we call on the Holy Spirit to come into our life in this way? Because God says that there is power through the Holy Spirit to the life of the believer. Again, back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus told these group of followers not to leave, but this is what would come. But you will receive power. We read that right from God's word when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And with that power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. In fact, 
not so much in the sense that you are going to be now a living word to those that you come in contact with, that I am going to give the Holy Spirit that will empower you to live out the gospel, that will allow you that, that as you come in contact with people that they will feel and they will find the experience of the power and the love of God on you. Listen, this new opportunity that I have to be with over 200 officers and administration with the Erie Police Department, it is a new world for me to step into. And the only way that I have any comfort, the only way I have any desire or knowledge that that this thing is going to be an awesome and amazing thing is because it is my desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit and necessarily to talk about it for sure, but let the witness of God's power go into a place such as that and to know that God's presence and power could redeem our city from the inside out. Amen? That God's desire within us of where he has called us to live and to serve is that we be a witness of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some have commented in this passage of Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and and many of you have quoted it, that when we are filled with the power of the Spirit of God, it enables us to witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And and some have, have designed that we realize that God was saying like the circles of our life, that Jerusalem was their, was their hometown, those that were close to them. Judea was like the county um, that that God's going to move you out and away from from your particular area. And then it says into Samaria. And we know that that was a a bigger context around Jerusalem and the Christmas story. But, But the Samaritans, if you know your Bible, were not loved by those in Jerusalem. In fact, uh, there was a a heated hatred that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. You might remember, I think in John chapter 8 or 10, that Jesus, uh, when he met the Samaritan woman, uh, that that they, on, on normal occasion, they would have walked the long way around to get back to Jerusalem because no good Jew would ever walk through Samaria. But when you read the story, Jesus says to his disciples, I have to go through Samaria. They didn't know there was going to be a woman at the well that day, but Jesus knew. And I'm sure that in the everyday context, the disciples would have said, hey, Jesus, we ain't going that way. We don't do that. We don't go into that neighborhood. We don't like those people. And again, when we read this power and this ability to witness, it's so profound of why that we would read not just Jerusalem and Judea, but that God, with the power of his Holy Spirit, would give us the the, the power within us to go to the people who might not be like us, who might be enemies, who might speak different languages, they might have different skin color, they might have a different set of rules, but somehow the power of God is going to be within us to go to people that aren't like us, to reveal to them the witness of a God that no matter who you are, what color your skin, what language you talk, that this special delivery of Christmas is that God loved them so much that he came to be a Savior to them. You see, that God gave us the power of the Spirit to see the world around us. Listen, I, I think that all of us today are glad for power. Can you say amen? You might not understand whether it's obviously in the spiritual, in the physical content. We recognize that we are glad for power. Most of you came to church today, I would imagine, in a car. And, and, and now it's just kind of, we don't even think about it, but, but our car has power steering. How many of you have ever run out of gas and you recognize that when your car isn't running, 
right? It's a little harder. When that power steering pump and, and all that, that, that it's a little harder, right, to make things happen. Two years ago, Jocelyn uh, was uh, going to get a car, and so she asked Debbie and I to go along. And uh, we got out into the car. The, the salesman said, here's the keys. Go take it for a test drive. You know, just you know, enjoy the car and let me know what you think. And so we got into the car, and, and uh, I got in the back seat. Debbie and Jocelyn were up front, and Joss turned on the car, and instantly the, the gas gauge kind of went to E, and the little yellow light came on. Right? We, we were still in the parking lot of the dealership. Dad said, or she said, Dad, there's a problem. The, the car doesn't have any gas. Now, how many know every dad in the house today? Please, no twisting of arms. How many dads would honestly say, you're okay, we're going to be fine? Come on, dads, are you with me? No twisting arms, am I right? Come on, that's a dad move if there isn't a dad move, right? I had a buddy that said when that light came on, he could drive to Buffalo and back. Like, every time, no problem. And I looked at them and I said, listen, there's plenty of gas. We're going to be fine on this stress drive. They gave me a little bit of grief. And I'm like, all right, all right. You know, like, so we brought the sales guy out. True story. Brought the sales guy out and said, hey, there's a little problem with this car. Uh, the gas gauge is on E. The little light is on. As God is my witness today, my friends, the salesman looked at all of us and said, you're going to be fine. There's no, there's no problem. You know, you got miles to burn. You could drive to Buffalo and back in this car, you know, when the light comes on. And so we took it out on the road for a test drive. We drove a few miles down the road, kind of feeling it out, whatever. We turned back around. We're coming down Upper Peach Street, right, on Route 19. And, and all of a sudden, the car shuts off. And Jocelyn's panicked a little bit. Obviously, it's a brand new car. It's a test drive. We don't know. And, and I'm in the back seat, right? And, and she's like, Dad, I don't know what to do. And like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, just pull off the side of the road. Just pull, get, get the car off the road. And she, I can't. I can't turn the wheel, right? We lost the power steering. And it was a great wake-up call to all of us. Don't drive a car when the light is on, Right? And it's so much harder to steer your car when you don't have power. The truth is, for some of us that have been around for a while, you can steer that car. She had to. She got us off the side of the road and, and down a little side road, but it's a lot harder when you don't have the power to steer your car, right? And so it's true. You say, Pastor Jim, what, what is the power of the Holy Spirit? Can I live my life without this baptism in the Holy Spirit? Sure you can. But we're recognizing we're leaving a lot of power off the table. We're leaving a lot of power that God has made available to our life, that makes our life more complete, that makes it more sensory for what God has for our life. And listen, when you have power, you want power. When you get power, you want power. And when there is power available that you take into, soon you're going to want more and more power for your life. You see, that's the gift that God has promised to us. Not just physical power we're talking about. We're talking about God doing more with us, realizing that with the Holy Spirit in our life that we can do more with him than we can do on our own. 
You see, the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit to the early church as we move through Acts chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, we hear this story of Peter and John after then Jesus does go. This power of God falls upon the early church in the upper room. They are now infused with heaven power in their life. And it says that Peter and John were going to church that next particular Sunday. And there had been a man that had been lame his whole life. They brought him to, to beg for money at, the, at going into the church uh, month after month, year after year. And again, it was this Sunday. Now, after this recent engagement with the Holy Spirit that Peter and John were going to church. And you've probably heard this story maybe many times if you've been to church. And they called out for alms. They looked at Peter and John. Is there something that you can give to me? Listen, a week ago, hear me today. A week ago, I don't know what Peter and John would have had to say. I don't know what they would have had to give. But coming out of the power session of the upper room, something was now surging in their life. And as this poor crippled man asked for alms, Peter said, listen, silver and gold, we don't have any of that. But that which we have just received, now we give to you. In the name of Jesus, pick up your bed and walk. And the Bible says that the power of heaven moved through Peter and John as they reached out and they touched this man who had been lame for all of his life and power came into his being and he began to walk and leap and shout and praise God. Why? Because when you have power, you want more power. And when you are hurt, and when you are lame, and when you are suffering, and when you are depressed, what you need is more of God's presence and God's power in your life. In fact, some have commented that there is a constant power of heaven that comes with his presence through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it is also immediate as well. Some theologians, as they have moved through this story, have said that God, in giving us these tools and these opportunities for our heart to be moved in so many ways, that it was at that moment when Peter said, silver and gold we have not, but that which we have just received might not have meant the days before in the upper room, but in this exact moment right now. That's how on point the Holy Spirit is with your life. Peter's just saying, listen, I didn't know I was going to run into you today. I didn't know I was going to have this conversation, but the Holy Spirit knew, and he was primed and ready. And so I just stepped in, and wow, God was here. And I'm just simply giving you what God has for you in your life. You see, so I want you to know that when we pray this power of God's Holy Spirit, we don't have to manipulate it. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to try to arrange the situation. God is always before us, amen? God is always ready. God's just simply asking, listen, if God's power is in you, be a release of God's power for whatever situation and circumstance that, that you have in your life. I appreciate it. I was talking to John Janke this, this couple of days ago, and he was saying that they were, I think, at a restaurant or with something, um, and, and he said, listen, I, I just, as the, as the waitress or the person came, the server came to help, he said, I, I, I just looked at her and said, listen, I, I don't want you to think I'm crazy because this, this doesn't happen a lot, but I just have a sense right now that we need to pray for you. That there was something, again, just as we walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Are there moments where it might seem uncomfortable? I would say yes the first time and maybe the second time, but not after that. You see why? Because when you have power, you want more power. When you have the opportunity to influence somebody's life, listen, you're not looking to ignore that. You're looking to run to that. 
You see, there's a moment of how many people do we come in contact with every day that if we could recognize, wow, you're saying, Pastor Jim, that the Holy Spirit is immediate in my life, that if I'm just kind of primed and ready to go, that I might run into all kinds of situations where in that moment the Holy Spirit could use me, whether at the gas station, the grocery store, my neighborhood, wherever it is, I'm telling you, yes, that we are ready in those moments that, that we're not, listen, going out to dinner or, or occupying your day or your event, listen, isn't always just your agenda. Hello? Maybe God is strategically moving you to be ready to minister to somebody in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or even to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, God wants to bless you with the gift of power, this source of abundant living. But not only do we get power, the Bible says that we get a gift of comfort as well. Though we get comfort from the Holy Spirit. Listen, I don't have really any uh, emotional kind of struggles or issues for the most part in my life, but last Christmas my wife bought me a weighted blanket. Can anybody say praise God for a weighted blanket? I, I know when they talk about a lot of that stuff, they're like, people need to feel cocooned. And like, I don't know if that, I don't, I don't know that I go into the store like needing that. But once I put that weighted blanket on, I'm like, oh, man, I love this, right? I just feel like so good. And the idea is that the power of God's presence is like this sense of just coming around you as a comforter, as knowing that he is with you, that he abides. Here's what Jesus said, John chapter 14. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth in me, the works that I shall do, that you shall do as well. Jesus talking to his followers. And not only these works, but even greater works than what I have done that you will do. We've taught on this before. You see, Jesus was limited by his scope of ministry and the distance that Jesus said often, the Father has sent me to the house of Israel, that he has sent me to these people. And so Jesus kept pretty specific to the mission that God had given him. But God said, with the power of the Holy Spirit, what I give to you today, you are not going to be limited by distance, by method, that God is going to fill you with spirit and even greater things that you will do, that God is going to bring to you a comforter that is going to allow you to do the work of the ministry. Oftentimes, we feel maybe intimidated. We feel struggled. I think that all of us, if you've been in church or, or you're pursuing this idea, you've probably heard God speak to you about something, and maybe often the first time, we really struggle and wrestle with that, right? How many have ever said, God, I'm not, is that you? Right? You, you, is, that, is that what I'm hearing? Listen, I get it the first time for a lot of us. Like we're, we're trying to put all these pieces together. But Jesus said, I am going to pray to the Father, and he will give you another comfort. I want to explain this to you in just a moment. And he will abide with you forever. So be assured, I am not going to leave you comfortless. Now, when we kind of just read that in our English, we recognize and, and, and just to know that, hey, God says, I've got you. Like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going I'm to surround you. you, you you're going to know that I go before you, that I'm, I'm beside you, I'm in front of you. And, and we, man, how wonderful it is to live with the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But, but the true meaning of that is way more. In other translations, it uses the word such as an advocate or a helper. But the word in the Greek is parakletos. That is what Jesus said. I'm going to leave you this parakletos. And, and really what the most 
defining meaning for that is, is that there is one who is called to walk along with us. And so when Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, it's not only in the sense of comfort, but that I am, where I am going to send you, I am going to have one that is going to calm your soul, that you are walking in my will and my presence, and that I am going to go before you. One of the big impacts that I have for the Erie Police Department has been my friend, Lieutenant Tom Lennox. God has blessed him, and God has allowed him to come into a, an engaging faith and find real life and find me. And, and, and again, it's a little intimidating walking into a place with a couple of hundred officers. And, and the, the, again, most of, the, most of the officers that pull you over, those of you speeders out there, right, most of the time, right, they're not necessarily the most cheery bunch when they come. Like, hey, Merry Christmas, how's everybody doing today? Right? I mean, if you need to know, you can ask Bailey, like, of anybody getting a... Well, what? Did, that, did I say that out loud? Did that come out out loud? We know when those officers come, they, they kind of live this, this kind of tough persona, Right? And so, again, me walking into some of these atmospheres, like in myself, right, there's this chance of kind of feeling a bit intimidated and recognizing, wow, I, I, don't, I don't know how all of this works, and am I going to fit in? Am I going to have a voice? And am I, I going to have a way to impact uh, a culture that, that I don't know too much about? But you see, God knew about this way before I knew about it. And through some questions a couple of years ago, Tom was having in his faith, he just was on a, a, on a journey with Anthony Atella, another officer, who God's done an amazing thing in his life, in the life of real life, and was just kind of, man, I don't, I don't know where my life is going, I, I don't know about this God thing, and, and Anthony just said to Tom, listen, don't give up on your faith, man, don't give up on church, like, come to real life and just, like, give it another shot, give it another go and see if... See if God is, is, is wanting and, and you know can be real in your life. And that was just that conversation led a couple of years ago to Tom stepping in and renewing his faith and, and the work that God is starting in him. And, and that caused a relationship with me. And, 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 and maybe Tom, more than the end of the others, have, have taken on this role to say, Pastor Jim, you're needed at EPD. You might feel like you don't have a lot to offer, but, but I know who you are and I know what God's doing in your life. And I walked into that big room and, and again, instantly could feel a little intimidated. Feel like, oh man, there's like, you know, again, two, three hundred people. Like, they don't know me. That, how's this going to go? And Tom grabbed me by the arm and he said, let me do a little walk around with you. Let me make some introductions. Let me let them know who you are and, and what a guy you are and what God's going to do in your life to help bring to this department. You see, Tom was a comforter to me. Tom was an advocate that, that walked alongside me, that, that if I looked at, man, how am I going to do this job? I, I was lost. But in the midst of that, God brought an advocate that he had been working on a couple of years ago to line this whole journey up to make it work right now. A helper. And as wonderful and as blessed as that is in the natural, Tom knows, listen, hey, my role is to kind of be physical in all of this, but we're believing the Holy Spirit to bring something supernatural into this thing. 
You see, and why we can walk around in confidence and faith is because God has given each in us a comforter, an advocate, that when we feel that, that I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, can I tell you, church, today, you are not on your own. The Bible says to us, I will pray to the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you the comfort of the Holy Spirit to abide with you forever. The early church was operating in this dunamis power, this coming of Pentecost into their life. And the church began to grow. And, and they, they became strong in their faith. And we read a little bit later in Acts chapter 9 that then the church finally had a moment of rest, of completion throughout all of Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. And they were edified and were walking in the fear of the Lord, the respect the, the admiration of what God had done with this ragtag uh, of, of outcasts to recognize, man, this started just a couple of, of years ago, but look what God has been able to do as we have allowed the Holy Spirit to work in our life. They came by walking in the fear of the Lord, and say it with me today, church, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You see, not just power, not just this dunamis, the, the Bible gives us a reflection, that word is like dynamite, right? The power of the Holy Spirit is this explosive power, but it's coupled, not just this explosive power that just kind of blasts everything, but it's this fire inside of us coupled, everybody say coupled, say it with me, come on, coupled with the comfort of the Holy Spirit so that we have the right words the right actions, the right demeanor at the right moment for people to encounter a powerful God. You see, the church didn't grow just by the dynamite power of God. It grew through the comfort that God wanted to have brokenness and difficult situations healed by the preciousness and by the blood of Jesus. Listen, if you're struggling emotionally, if you're struggling in your home or your family, if, if it seems like there's chaos all around you, I want you to know we're not here just to kind of pray power over your life. We're here to help to introduce you that you have an advocate, a helper, that there is comfort through the Holy Spirit to you. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone forever. That there is a friend that is going to walk this journey with you. You see, we receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, and he dispatches his spirit to reside in us. And he is always ready to assist us, to console us, to reassure us, to guide us in times of distress or need. Some of you at this Christmas, like you have in past, are going to open up a gift that someone who thought about you all year or knew about you, and maybe was, you were unaware that they would know, but you are going to open up that box and you're going to say, this is just what I needed. This is just what I needed. And if there is a box, a gift that I want to make sure that every one of you know is available for you today, that God says his Holy Spirit is the gift that every one of us need, that he has, that he's a comfort, that he's power, that his presence is made available. Here's what the Bible says about the work of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, it says that he draws us closer to Jesus and strengthens our inner being. Can anybody say yes that you could use that today? 
The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that the comfort of the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, even when we don't know what to do or how to pray, that the Spirit of God prays for us and through us. Can anybody say yes and amen today? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 and 1 John that the Spirit gives us power and wisdom to witness with boldness, unashamedly, unfearful to know that there is something inside of us that that individual needs. The Bible says that he teaches us in John chapter 14. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit reveals to us even the deep mysteries of God. Listen, there is wisdom with the Holy Spirit in your life. Listen, you don't have to be confused. You don't have to doubt. You don't have to kind of try to figure out, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this could happen. There is an advocate. There is a power of the Holy Spirit. There is comfort to say, hey, listen, just, just slow down. I've been working on this for months. I've been putting this together for years. You're going to be, you're going to be sandwiched right into my will and what I have for you. Just trust me. It's going to go well with your soul today. The world is going to be blessed because of the power and presence of God that you're going to allow abide in and through your life. Wow. Thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many want to open up that gift today? Amen. How great he is to us. Today I know that I can walk free from sin's control in the comfort of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is a righteous, producing, life-giving source for every believer today. Man, what a wonderful present that God is making available to each and every one of us today. Let me give you just one more this morning. With the Spirit of God, we also get the gift of conviction. The gift of conviction. Listen, don't panic because conviction can work two ways this morning, all right? I think a lot of us, our first tendency is that when we hear that or with the power of the Holy Spirit, we think that, that it's corrective, right? We just think, oh, man, the Holy Spirit is there to tune me up when I get off path. God's given the Holy Spirit just that, you know, he's got that conviction to get me. Well, listen, if you need tuned up, the Holy Spirit can do that, right? But that's not his only work with conviction in our life. You see, what I believe the Holy Spirit has come for the believer is that he also wants to firmly ground us in our faith and our belief, that we are people that live a life of conviction. I know that I know that I know. Even when everything around me is confused, even when I couldn't see my way out, I have this firm conviction that the Holy Spirit is working on my behalf, and I am firmly planted, I am firmly grounded that God is with me, that nothing is going to stop me, that my way is His way, that He is working, and my words are His words, and God is going to do great and mighty things in my life. I am assured that the gift of the Holy Holy Spirit is going to work in my life. That God so loved the world that he gave his son. Listen, that's not just a theme for Christmas, but that's a message every day that I share. I am convicted in my soul that I must share the love and the truth of Jesus every chance I get. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Paul writing to this early church we know that God has something special for you because our gospel came to you not simply by words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and say it with me, and with deep 
conviction. I know that I know that I know. Can I tell you that in this season, we know it's more blessed to what? Give than receive. God has given each of us a gift. And this Christmas season and this brand new year isn't a season for you and I to think, man, what does God have more for me? No, this is a season to realize God has given me his Holy Spirit. And this is a season and this is a year for me to give, to give, to give, to give. And I am going to do it with conviction that what God, this good work that he has started in me, that he will bring it to completion, that God is going to work in my life. If I'm small, God's going to grow me big. If I'm big, God's only simply going to give me a bigger heart, a bigger vision to do more for what it is that I can do to reach the world. I'm going to have the band. They can come and help me this morning. Let me finish with this today. In the early chapters of the book of Hebrews, for those of you that might have studied through some of these chapters, maybe the first six or seven chapters, the Hebrew writer is trying to convince his audience who are Hebrew Jews they know the Old Testament, <laughs> they know the law, they know the, they know the book, they know it as well as the teacher. And so his task, his desire is how do I share with people that know that there is something better? You see, they kept looking to their past. They kept looking to the great patriarchs of the faith. What trying to say is, listen, there is a past that we appreciate, but there is a present and a future that we build our life upon. And he goes through those five, six, seven chapters telling them, listen, the past is great, but Jesus is better. They had a struggle to understand the role of the Messiah, that Jesus was him. Today, a little easier for you and I to believe it. But he was convincing this early church that no matter what we face, that Jesus is our hope that Jesus is better. Listen, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what challenges are in your life and you feel like maybe you've hit a roadblock this morning. Maybe you feel like you've been after religion, but religion has confused you. Religion has frustrated you. Maybe you come in contact with people that you don't even get the God thing and somehow a chaplain shows up in your face. Where did this guy come from? What's his deal? Maybe some of you in your homes, your marriages, that you've tried to do everything that you could, everything that you can, but you recognize that there's got to be something better. No matter what you're facing today, can I be like the Hebrew writer to your soul today? Can I write into your book this morning that Jesus, that Jesus is better? It's Jesus that you need. One of the songs, I don't know if we've sung it in a while, but I think we sing it. Jesus in the morning or Jesus at night, Jesus on the mountain. I don't know, do we sing that song? Might be in the, might be why I hear it on the radio, but it's just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, that's what we need. We need his presence in our life. And so this writer of the Hebrews tells them, tells them the story. You remember Moses and God calling him to lead the people out of Egypt, out of bondage into this promised land that, that he gave them. And as you know the story, that wasn't an easy task. It should have been, but people got involved. 
And what would have probably been a three-month journey turned out to be a 40-year wilderness journey. In fact, somebody commented that through that experience that half the time, God was trying to talk Moses out of killing the people. And the other part of it, Moses was trying to talk God out of not killing the people. Right? 40 years of them just kind of being off course, missing the presence, missing the direction that God had for them. And he writes this in Hebrews chapter 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as we have this moment called today. This moment right here, right now. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Don't ever forget the truth Because the world will try to rob you, kill you, and steal this joy, this life that God has for you. Some of you know that. That sin has a way of just hanging out and being patient and just looking for the opportunity, right? To mess you up in your mind, in your home, in your thought process. He's patient. And the Hebrew writer says, listen, be reminded, Jesus, no matter what you're facing, Jesus is better. And the longer that you wait, you say, why did he say, like, while it's called today? Because every day we wait, the enemy gets a little bit stronger in our life. His message shouts just a little bit louder in your spirit. If I could echo the writings of the Hebrew writer today is don't let today go by without getting some Holy Spirit conviction in your life. Today, it's Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the afternoon, Jesus when I'm down, Jesus when I'm up. No matter what it is, Jesus is better. For we have come to share in all that is Christ's, if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the very end. Listen, we are not here to be tossed around. We are here to know that we know that we know that we know. That God has not left us comfortless, but he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit, his presence to be our ever-present help in time of need. Can you say amen with me today, church?